Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 287. Thanks for listening. A little bit of a preview here for the rest of the episode. I almost said Smurf it. We're playing uh, Smurfs Rescue in Gargamel's Castle, and as we'll get into here in a few minutes, the, yeah, the, the game... Uh, uh, I was almost ready to tell it to go smurf itself, uh, and then smurf this whole episode, and go smurf off. But I didn't. I got my smurf together, and here we are doing an episode. How you doing, everybody? We are... gosh, when's this episode coming out? Late August. Kids are back to school, mostly. We're all crossing our fingers that they don't get COVID, because many states are saying, Masks? <laughs> we don't need masks. So I hope uh, you and yours are all safe and making safe choices, and that by this time next year, we'll all be like, COVID? What's that? I recently returned from a long weekend away. All summer, we intended to take a, a nice long, like a, like a week-long vacation, or a 10-day vacation, like lots of people get to do. And Every time we tried to schedule it, there'd be yet another thing that came up, but we managed to squeeze in a four- or five-day weekend, I guess. Uh, so that was nice. Um... I had a wonderful time, and I can't believe that thing I did. I'm recording this before I've actually gone on this weekend away, so I'm just assuming it was remarkable. More likely, uh, any of you have kids will know this, it was most likely just really expensive, and everybody was grumpy, and nobody slept well. And then you came home more tired than when you left. But I have hope. All right. Well, that's enough of that. Let's just get into this week's episode. And we begin, as we frequently do, with the Statler and Waldorf to my Muppet Show. That's right. It's time to ask the burning question. Question! What does Jason say? He says stuff! What does Jason say? Lots of stuff! What does Jason say? Or maybe a little stuff! What does Jason say? He says stuff! Jason actually opens this segment um, with uh, some actually very sad news. Uh, he writes, Another spectacular episode, referring to the, uh, last week's episode. The, the, I keep saying last week. The last episode, 286, Video Olympics. On a less cheerful note, he writes, One of your listeners, a gentleman named Michael, who discovered the show because of my recommendations, he unfortunately was one of those anti-vaccine guys who wasn't necessarily against vaccines, but felt like it wasn't something he wanted to do because the government was involved. He went on vacation with his wife and son, needless to say. They all got COVID. The wife and son recovered easily, but he was super sensitive, super sensitive and progressively got worse. Within just a few days, he passed away at a young age. Jason couldn't resist adding here, very sad, mostly because he won't enjoy Atari Bites. Just kidding, but it is a sad story and sadly very common. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, our... Our thoughts go out to uh, Michael and his family. I don't know how well you knew this guy, but uh, clearly well enough to recommend the podcast, um, which, of course, I'm I'm grateful for. I mean, the vaccine thing, it sounds like he uh, had a uh, skepticism, you know, and it, it's not so bad to walk through life with a, a bit of uh, skepticism about things. A bit of um, open-minded uh, caution is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, clearly, in his case, he uh, made the wrong choice. And I'm sorry to hear that. You know, I don't know what you can say to that. Clearly, the, the science is on the side of the COVID vaccine is a thing that we need to do. 
and it's unfortunate that he he didn't see that. So I, I guess if anything, uh, at least his death can be a, a message to hopefully people around him who uh, maybe shared the same view that, you know what, maybe I need to take this seriously, if not for myself, then for the people that I leave behind. So um, that's my message to anyone out there listening to this show. Uh, take this as a sign that you need to get yourself vaccinated. He followed up, Jason did uh, later, commenting that he'd been to the funeral. Crazy is all I can say. Uh, Jason comment sort of summing up, uh, I, I think, if I can put words in Jason's mouth, I think he's commenting on the fact that, uh, you know, here was a guy who was, as Jason did put it in his note to me, uh, conservative, but starts uh, following the anti-vax crowd. Uh, those dudes are nuts, as Jason puts it. He does add, Jason does, uh, he did experience uh, Bug, my dog Bug, and Atari Bites, and if I was allowed to do the eulogy, that would have been front and center. I also would have arranged to have Sean do a vaccine song. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to, to make jokes about this kind of thing, but uh, at the same time, a little humor uh, is kind of what gets us through uh, rough times. So, it's a rough way to start off the episode, but uh, once again, thinking of Michael and his uh, family and friends. Back to more important things, like... You know, this. A strike. Um, Jason wrote regarding uh, again the the um, video Olympics episode. Thank you for another amazing podcast, pure radio gold. Except you playing even more of that crapola that the entire entire world shuns, like the monstrosity that it is. Do wop. How can you, in good conscience, play the immortal Sergeant Pepper in such a ludicrous rendition? Do what, which I did. If you listen to last week's episode, the last episode, not last week's episode, uh, I did. Although it's not my fault, someone else, uh, Ferg, I think, brought it to my attention. Uh, Do up is literally, Jason says, literally crap processed into an audio signal. It's less appealing than a gassy dog flatulating. Is that a word? Flatulating into a large PA system microphone. The world died a little when that music was invented, and an angel falls from the sky every time William Pepper gives attention to this mockery of real music. That's enough doo-wop for this week. Jason also sent me a link to a website, fixandrebuildyourowncredit.com. This apparently is something he's been working on. Uh, I will try to remember to put the link in the show notes, but if I don't, it is, as I said, www.fixandrebuildyourowncredit.com. Do you have late pay accounts, no pay accounts, liens, foreclosures, bankruptcies, judgments, or even no credit? If you, any of these situations, I think that's supposed to say if you have any of these situations, you can rest assured. Um, that's all the little snippet I'm looking at says. Obviously, there's more on the website. The rest of that sentence, for example. So go check that out. Sounds like Jason's been working hard on this. Uh, there may be something useful to you. Uh, he says, I hope the biters will put down the Smurf Atari game long enough to read my little packets of, bur- of brilliance. Well, we'll find out, won't we, Jason? Since we talked to you last, uh, we had, Jason and I, a weird amount of back and forth about puppets. Uh, Jason is still convinced that we need Atari Bytes puppets. If any of you uh, crafty people out there would like to make some Atari Bytes puppets and send us pictures, I uh, would certainly be interested to see what those look like, or perhaps horrified. He sent me a picture of a puppet, I don't know where he got this, that he would like to play him. Uh, it looks to me, if anyone knows what a, a whatnot Muppet is, basically not a, a named Muppet like Grover or Elmo or 
whatever, just a, a sort of an ordinary, plain-looking person in Muppet form. This is basically what Jason sent me. For himself, he also sent me a picture of a pug dog wearing a diaper that he thought could play bug. Uh, he has not attempted to send me a puppet that would play me. So if anyone has any ideas, let me know. All right, and then we get to the, the meat, the, the thing that you're all here for. Dear Atari Bites, the, the biters are growing more and more dissatisfied with the lack of puppets. Oh, okay, I guess we're not done talking about puppets. They're not evil. They just want Atari Bites to reach its creative zenith. Ooh, I don't think that's going to happen, Jason. And that only can be achieved through puppetry and the sweet jangles of Bugs Collar. Of course, Jason Says Stuff has grown in popularity among the biters and what was once considered fringe beliefs has uh, infected the biter mainstream. Hmm, not sure what you're getting at there, Jason. We'll move on. But with so many mentions of puppets in the previous episode, not a single puppet has been delivered to the biters, and you can clearly feel the tension that has, this, that this has created. A small faction has even tattooed a Hyperkin Retron 77 console design to their main joystick hand, in a show of unity to the cause of adding puppets. Yeah, I don't think that's actually happened. Let's at least try to get at least one full, uh, full-time full puppet on the show by 2022. Really, Jason, you think I got the budget for a full-time puppet? Uh, he continues, and if needed, I would certainly work the controls of the new puppet cast member. The last episode was still great, even though Decathlon is a weak game. Not weak like a certain musical style. You know... The one that featured Bowser and was so horrendous that not a single radio station has a doo-wop format? What does that tell you? It should tell you that doo-wop is literally worse than Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein combined. Wow. We'll just leave that there. My one complaint is that Jason Says Stuff doesn't get a best of on the Atari Bytes channel. I have a channel? Oh wait, I think I do. If we go to Atari Bytes on YouTube, uh, that's where if you're in the Patreon... At, at least the uh, $3 per month level, you can see the uh, videos, the, the truly awful videos of each episode's field report. I have not really put much up there since we're talking about it um, on the YouTube channel, uh, although I should. I will try to come up with some more video-ish things, uh, maybe as bonus features for all you patrons uh, for your support. And no, Jason, I'm not sure that puppets are the answer. But what do I know? I'm just a podcaster. Bud, if you're listening, Jason says, start putting that together. Um, he's not, actually. He's in a different room right now. This episode's sponsored by Bowser because somebody has to suck the most. That's Jason, not me. If you're listening, uh, Bowser. Alright. And then we get to this episode's story by Jason. Gargamel's Lament by Jason Edward Schiffman. Darkness has fallen upon the town. The townspeople are fast asleep, while in the craggy cliffs lies a foreboding castle that's anything but peaceful. This castle belongs to a broken soul known to the world as the evil Gargamel, rumored to be a wizard, a cannibal, a charlatan, and a master of the dark arts. He was once like anyone else, a father, a grandfather, and a kindly alchemist who was once loved and respected by the townspeople. However, after his entire family disappeared, he was rumored to have gone mad and somehow connected the arrival of the Smurfs to their strange and unknown fate. In Gargamel's defense, there was a four-fingered glove soaked in human blood, and Papa Smurf, the leader of this clan, had long been rumored to feast on adrenochrome, the substance made from human adrenaline which supposedly fueled his magical abilities. Gargamel did turn to wizardry, that part of the legend is true, but only in an effort to prepare himself against his well-deserved enemies, the Blue Demons. Smurfette was finally Gargamel's captive. He fiendishly laughed at her, 
torment as she screamed for her fellow Smurfs to break her chains. Gargamel responded by tearfully holding a painting of his once happy family. They're all gone, he shrieked. Their suffering went unanswered, at least until now. Sweet revenge was finally so close he could taste its bittersweet fruit. He held his blade to her throat as he began to chant in some esoteric language of the dark mages and started to laugh with a savage bloodlust uh, fit more for a beast than for a man. Papa Smurf appeared. He was brandishing a broadsword, a very small broadsword. He leapt in the air and sliced Gargamel's throat with the skill of a surgeon. Gargamel fell backward and frantically tried to stop the spout of his lifeblood, but it was certainly too late. As Gargamel drifted to the other side, he felt Papa Smurf extracting his deep violet adrenochrome from his spine with his razor-sharp fangs. Papa Smurf's blue body and white attire were deeply stained, were deeply stained with Gargamel's blood. His eyes glowed with a bright amber fire as the chemical elevated his powers. Many centuries later, the story would be retold in video games, cartoons, books, movies, and TV shows that paint these immortals as whimsical little creatures that are perpetually under attack by Gargamel. They even create a feline sidekick to make sure the public doesn't sympathize. You don't want Gargamel to appear lonely or heartbroken. He must appear completely and beyond redemption. Why, you may ask? Nearly half a million children disappear each year in the United States. They are easily frightened and produce adrenochrome in massive doses, and as long as we believe in the propaganda, the Smurfs are just adorable little characters. At least that's why. At least that's what ch- the children thought as they are led away. Oh, I just noticed he, uh, Jason had a couple of corrections. When I said uh, there was the glove... Uh, it just said there was a glove found at the scene of the disappearance. And uh, Gargamel is completely evil and beyond redemption. Not completely and be, uh, beyond redemption. I think it works either way, Jason. That might be the darkest story you've submitted yet. Uh, it certainly puts a different spin on the cartoon show I watched when I was a kid. And even the uh, movie with NPH. Oh, sorry. Neil Patrick Harris. NPH is what his friends call him. I don't know. I, I've never met the guy. Thank you, I guess, for the nightmares I'm trying to have later. I'm detecting also a little bit of cat hatred in there. I, I don't know if you're anti-cat or not. I think if you are, you can engender the ire of feline fans in my audience, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. You like what you like. I am tempted to Google adrenochrome because I don't know if it's a real thing or not. Uh, all right, fine. Oh, what do you know? It is. Adrenochrome is a chemical compound with the molecular with the molecular formula C9H9NO3, produced by the oxidation of adrenaline. The derivative carbazochrome is a hemostatic medication. Well, there you go. We all learned something, except Jason, who apparently already knew. All right. Well, there you go. And now, much to our horror, we know. Question. What does Jason say? Alright, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... Are you watching Smurf? No, playing Smurf. Oh, now it's a video game. Gargamel captured the Smurfette. And that's a Smurf. He's got a rescuer. Smurf under him. Smurf under him? That's Smurf talk, Dad. Smurf the bat. Play Smurf on your ColecoVision, Atari 2600 VCS, or Intellivision video game system. Dad, 
Maybe Smurf is too exciting for you. Smurfs. Rescue in Dargamel's Castle. Coleco, 1982. My first thought about this game is that the title is slightly off. Yes, it is a rescue in Dargamel's Castle, meaning that the the uh, the rescue takes place in the castle. But the Smurfs are not already in the castle trying to rescue her. They are trying to get to the castle and take Smurfette out of the castle. So really, it should be Smurfs rescue from Gargamel's castle, it seems to me. But, I mean, that's a minor detail. Uh, the five-year-olds who pick up this game, or picked up this game in 1982, probably didn't care. Let's see. When I was a kid, uh, I will probably mention this later, but I don't remember right now. There was the Smurfs cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon show. The concept of Saturday morning kids, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, kids, go ask your parents. Probably when I'm telling you things later, I will find the era when that cartoon series ran. But it seems to me like I, I was right in a, a short window where I was young enough to actually sit and watch a Smurfs cartoon show. And I actually did have a few of the little rubber, and they're not really action figures, I guess, but little rubber um, figures, you know. They didn't have you know, 15 points of articulation or anything, but they had... Um, they, they were little figures, and you could get you. They were collectibles, and you could get them in all sorts of th- uh, styles. Of course, the Smurfs were like they didn't have like names like Bob or Jane or Howie or whatever. They had their names were descriptors of their primary trait. Uh, Papa Smurf was the Papa of the clan, which is a little weird, but we'll leave that there for a minute. You had Handy Smurf who could build things. You had. Uh, Brainy Smurf, who was sort of the geeky intellectual. You had uh, Circus Smurf, who dressed like a clown. Smurfette, who was the only girl in the group. Again, we'll just leave that there. This sort of thing. And I probably had four or five of them, I guess. Um, so uh, the point is, Smurfs have been around for a long time. And the Smurfs were already an old property by the time that 80s cartoon came around. So it's no surprise that they made video games out of them. Uh, this is not, I don't think, the only Smurfs video game. But it is the one that we're playing this week. Smurf Rescue in Gargamel's Castle is for use with the Atari 2600 video computer system and Sears Video Arcade. For one or two players, four skill levels, a rescue adventure featuring TV's popular Smurfs. In Coleco's Smurf Rescue in Gargamel's Castle, treacherous Gargamel has captured Smurfette. Trademark. He keeps her trapped on a shelf high above his laboratory floor. To reach the castle laboratory, nimble-footed Smurf. Can that be a nimble-footed Smurf? Anyway, must run and jump through fields, woods, and caverns. That's not all, either. He must climb tall mountains and duck dangers in the forest paths. Help Smurf dodge the hawks, snakes, bats, and scary spiders Gargamel sends from the castle. Once in the laboratory, Smurf jumps to the bench, to the table, to the chair. He must even jump to the shelf to free the captive Smurfette. Can you make all these jumps and Smurf the day? Oh, other than the, uh, the weird naming system among the Smurf tribe. They have a super annoying propensity to use the word Smurf in odd places. Smurf apparently means whatever you want it to mean in a particular sentence, and everyone else is just supposed to understand it. It's kind of like when, you know, you're a kid and your your friends have made up some sort of secret language, and you don't know what that secret language is, and then they speak to you, and you don't understand, and then they laugh at you. It's kind of like that, because Smurfs are always like, well, let's have a Smurfin' day, or I'm going to Smurf the Smurf and then Smurf it. 
and you're supposed to get what that means. So anyway, can you make all these smurf, uh, all these jumps and smurf the day? I don't know what that means. Uh, I guess that means win the game. We'll just assume that. You can use the uh, joystick for this one. Use the control stick to make the smurf run, duck, and jump. Push the control stick left or right to move the smurf in that direction. Push the control stick down to make the smurf duck. Although, as far as I've progressed in the game, ducking has not really been all that helpful. But I imagine there are points in the game where it does come into use. Push the control stick, control stick up when Smurf stands still. They keep saying Smurf. Why not the Smurf? Anyway, when Smurf stands still to make him jump in place. Push it up while Smurf is running to make him jump forward. Push it up again immediately after Smurf lands from a jump to make Smurf do a bigger jump forward. Press the red button on the player control player one's controller to begin a new game. Otherwise, the button has no use in the game. I, honest to God, spent 15 minutes, maybe not 15, 10 minutes, eh, it might have been 15, trying to get my Smurf to jump over a gate, and he wouldn't do it. He crashed into it constantly, and I was about ready to Smurf the whole thing and go play Space Invaders again or something. And then Henry walks into the room, and he's like, we'll do this thing. And the thing, it turned out to be, this game isn't like most games, where you're running, 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 you hit the button and he jumps. You, the button is useless. You have to run, and you can't jump as you're running either. You have to run to where you, the thing you want to jump over. You have to stop without touching that thing. Move the joystick up, move the joystick up again while you're in the air to land and make a bigger jump to get over the thing. And it's super annoying. If the, if, if the Smurfs in this game were naked, it would be like playing Porky's all over again. Yeah. You laugh, Patrick McCarthy. I'm not going to forget that. That's how frustrating this game is. Or was. And then Henry showed me. No, you just... You're, basically what I was doing, I was fighting the joystick too much. And really all it is is just a little tap. Tap up, tap up. And it actually, once you know that, then it's actually pretty easy to jump over stuff. When you turn the game on, one Smurf head representing one player and the word skill one appear at the top of the screen. This indicates the skill one, one player game option. If you want to play a higher skill level or a two player game, press the game select button until the skill level and number of players, as shown by one or two Smurf heads, you want uh, appear on screen. Then press the red button to complete the choice. If you're playing a two player game, players take turns. Player one begins and uh, each turn lasts until the player's Smurf gets tired. Your first Smurf appears near his mushroom home in the woods, Smurfette, trademark, held captive by Gargamel, trademark, is far, far away to the right. Perhaps with Yoda in that galaxy far, far away. Sorry, that's a whole other property. Help Smurf travel through woods, fields, and mountains, even though dark, even through dark and creepy caverns on his way to the spooky castle. These forests can be quite dangerous for travelers, but Gargamel's creatures and tricks make the journey even more difficult. Magic fences sometimes appear and disappear, and snakes can cross water. It'd be like a water moccasin, right? Aren't those the swimming snakes? Anyway, when a fence disappears, there's no need to jump over the empty space. Skill 1 games are a little easier. Smurf you. In these, there are no creatures to chase you. If you see dangers, you can travel back toward home to escape. It's okay to outsmart Gargamel's trademark. Evil creatures by running and jumping back the way you came. No, it's not okay, because you're not going to finish the game. Quit lying to children, Toliko. But stay alert. The creatures can follow you. You get no points for jumping hazards that you've jumped before. When creatures come out, Smurf has to make the right kinds of jumping and ducking moves to escape them. 
Smurf jumps, bounce Smurf straight up so he can dodge hawks and bats. Walking, then jumping quickly lets Smurf make a bigger jump. Jumping quickly twice in a row makes the second jump the biggest of all. Learn to take just the right size jumps, big or small, to take him over picket fences and streams, even up to the steep mountains. Even up the steep mountains. And remember to duck when bats or Dardamel's pet hawks swoop low. Let's talk about the stream for a minute. Because I told you at the beginning of the of play in this game, I, I could barely jump over the first fence. But if I did, then I would come to a stream. And if you don't clear the stream, you land in the water, and it's the darkest thing I've ever seen in an Atari game. You go under, except for your hat. Your hat is floating on top of the water, and there are these little bubbles coming up uh, from underwater. It is the creepiest thing ever. You've drowned your Smurf. Smurf you, Smurfer. If Smurf falls or is knocked down by a snake, bat, hawk, or spider, he feels too tired to travel farther. Then another Smurf, uh, trademark, must try to rescue Smurfette, trademark. Watch the energy level indicator on your screen. It drops low when Smurf gets tired in his travels, but the moment Smurf enters a new land, woods, fields, mountains, caverns, or gargamels, trademark, laboratory, he feels better and his energy level goes right back up. There is an energy bar at the top of the screen. I never really noticed it changing all that much, but maybe that's because I hadn't progressed very far in the game. I don't know. But yeah, the, the getting tired thing is annoying. If you're uh, even like uh, in the castle, where all you're really jumping on are steps, there's nothing to fall off of. But if you don't jump just the way they want you to, suddenly you've, you've gotten tired and lost a life. So that's... Actually, I guess it's not inside the castle. It's, it's getting to the castle. When your game is done, you can play again by pressing player 1's red button. If you want to change the skill level or the number of players, press the game reset button and then the game select button until the skill level and number of players you want to appear on the screen. Then press the red button or player 1's controller to start your game. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Once you're inside the castle, oh no, how big the chairs and tables seem. And high on a shelf stands Brave Smurfette, trademark, guarded by the castle bat, sometimes mean Dargamel, trademark, even makes her disappear momentarily. Smurfer. Can you help Smurf, trademark, jump to save her and Smurf the day? Yeah, so you, there's a bench, there's a chair, a table, a shelf on the left, shelf on the right where Smurfette is, and the occasional bat wandering through. Jumping over a fence, a stream, rock, or other obstacle gets you 400 points. Freeing Smurfette gets you 1,000 points. If you earn 10,000 points in a game, you win a bonus Smurf, trademark. So, like I said, I Smurfed this game for a while, about ready to Smurf it. And then Henry walks into the room and he's like, well, just do this. And then it started working fine. And then we uh, recorded the field report and then got done. And he's like, well, that was really bad when he saw how I did in the field report. And I was like, you think you can do better? You try it. So he sat down and he got way past where I had gotten. And it was only like his second time playing the game. I guess what I'm saying is, uh, here is uh, kids suck. Back to the game. This instruction booklet will provide the basic information you need to get started playing Smurf Rescuing Gargamel's Castle, trademark. But it's only the beginning. You'll find the cartridge is full of special features to make Smurf Rescuing Gargamel's Castle exciting every time you play. Experiment with different techniques and enjoy the game. 90-day limited warranty. And that is how you play Smurf Rescue in Gargamel's Castle, trademarked all over the place. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. 
just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Is there a Wikipedia article about Smurf rescuing Gargamel's castle? Bet your Smurf there is. The game is based on the television series, The Smurfs, and was produced for the 2600 and ColecoVision. Creative computing, video, and arcade games said in 1983 that Smurf for ColecoVision was truly good fun, improving of the graphics. The game was suitable, they said, for very young children and older ones, reporting that neighborhood kids loved it. I almost had to evict them from my house at night so I could get a game in before going to sleep. The ColecoVision version was reviewed in a uh, video magazine in its Arcade Alley column where it was praised as utilizing the best audiovisuals in the entire ColecoVision line. Uh, the video game equivalent of a Saturday morning cartoon. The audio was described as sophisticated with nuanced sounds. There's nothing nuanced about the sound in this game. It's just relentless, annoying Smurf music. Nuanced sounds such as ominous organ music and the muted echo accompaniment to standard leaps. They do do that. It's pretty much the same tune throughout the whole game, but they do adjust the tone. Henry picked up on that right away. Like when you go into the castle, it gets all dark and creepy. And the music, uh, the tone, the, the, the melody's the same, but the tone changes. So I, I did appreciate that. The game got the award for Best Video Game Audiovisual Effects at the 4th Annual Artie Awards. The Smurfs Wiki, because, because of course there's a Smurfs Wiki, notes that the game was designed by Wickstead Design for the 2600, and says that besides this game, a Smurf play-and-learn educational game for the ColecoVision was advertised in their promotional literature, but never worked on or released, as was also the case for the Intellivision version and the ColecoVision Super Game Module version of the game. A different type of educational game, the Smurf Save the Day, was released for the Atari 2600 instead, while Smurf Paint and Play Workshop was released for the ColecoVision. The game did see some ports to the Commodore 64, Smurf Rescue by Corboy Software in 84, which was followed in 85 by Smurf 2, The Revenge, and Smurfin by CAW and M Brand, which was notable for using Michael Jackson's Billie Jean as part of its background music. Okay. The 2600 version is notably the first Smurf video game to actively use the Smurf song from the cartoon show. The catchy tune played throughout the game is actually from two separate sources, religious folk music, shakers, and classical music. The folk music features Joseph Brackett Jr.'s 1848 song, Simple Gifts, and the classical music is Ludwig von Beethoven's 1808 Symphony No. 6 Pastoral. A fan-created Flash game sequel called Day of the Purple Smurfs is currently available. I don't know when this article is written. Translated from the website, a dark purple, a cloud of purple flies over Smurf Village. You only have five lives to escape the place alive, evading the purple Smurfs who loved you who love this translated from another language? Who love you, bite you in the tail. Okay, and avoiding natural dangers of the forest. ColecoVision was developing an official adaptation of Smurf Rescue and Gargamel's Castle for Intellivision, but for legal reasons, the game was eventually converted into Sidney Hunter and the Shrines of Peril. Henry Will the Fourth 
did the uh, programming for the 2600 version, and Todd Marshall did the sound. Uh, Gargamel's Castle, I think we're talking about there. Atari Protos uh, notes some of the Smurf history created by Belgian cartoonist Peo, Peo, P-O-Y-O, a.k.a. Pierre Culliford, in 1958. The Smurfs are little blue creatures said to be three apples high, who live in Smurf Village hidden deep in a forest. Usually Gargamel's goal was to find the Smurf's village so he could capture the last Smurf in order to make a potion that turns lead into gold, but sometimes sometimes his motive for finding the Smurfs was so he could eat them, or just to destroy them out of sheer hatred. Gargamel was a complicated man. The controls are pretty straightforward. Your Smurf smurf can move left and right with the joystick and jump by pressing up. Your Smurf can also do a, a super jump by pressing up twice in a row. The super jump is usually what is needed to cross the various obstacles. The single jump is good for avoiding enemies. Learning which kind of jump to do and when is the secret to getting anywhere in Smurf. Learning which kind of jump to do and when is the secret to getting anywhere in Smurf. There's also a pesky energy timer, which can become quite a problem at the higher difficulty levels, with progress is slowed by fast-moving enemies, which must be constantly avoided. The game is a fun little action game that was marketed toward children, but was probably played more by older kids and adults, as the game can be quite tough for kids even at the lower levels. You don't have to tell me that. I'm a five-year-old at heart. While people are probably most familiar with the visually impressive ColecoVision port, the Atari 2600 port is actually pretty nice for the hardware it's running on. Even the slightly off-key version of Shater Melody is kind of endearing. Really? Not the word I would have used. As I've already alluded to, uh, the Smurfs is a Belgian comic franchise centered on a fictional colony of small blue blue humanoid creatures who live in mushroom-shaped houses in the forest. First created as a, and introduced as a series of comic characters by Belgian comics artist Peyo, the pen name of Pierre Culliford, in 1958, when they were known as Les Strumpfs. There are more than 100 Smurf characters, and their names are based on adjectives that emphasize their characteristics, which I mentioned earlier. Jokey Smurf, for example, and Smurfette, who is the first female introduced in the series. The Smurfs wear Phrygian caps, which came to represent freedom during the modern era. There was an animated series from 81 to 89 called The Smurfs. There was Hanna-Barbera's 50th, the Yabba Dabba Do Celebration in 89, Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue in 90, and The Smurfs in 2021. The word Smurf is the original Dutch translation of the French Schrumpf, which, according to Pio, is a word he invented during a meal with fellow cartoonist André Franquin, when he could not remember the word salt. Hmm. How much had you been drinking at this meal, Pio? The Smurfs franchise began as a comic and expanded into advertising films, TV series, ice capades, video games, theme parks, and dolls. That thing about replacing nouns or adjectives with the word Smurf has interesting sub- stories to it. In Schrumpf, Schrumpf, Wert, Edward, Schrumpf, Smurf vs. Smurf, published in Belgium in 1972, it was revealed that the Smurf village was divided between north and south, and that the Smurfs on either side had different ideas as to how the term Smurf should be used. For instance, the northern Smurfs called a certain object a bottle Smurfer, while the southern Smurfs called it a Smurf opener. There are also 16 volumes of Smurf comics, a 1965 black-and-white 87-minute animated film called Le Aventures des Strumpfs, consisting of five short cartoons. A 1976 adaptation of, of music. Uh, Sony Pictures announced plans to begin a trilogy of live-action computer animation films, uh, the first of which was released in 2011. I guess that was the one with uh, my buddy NPH, and called Kitty Cocaine for people growing up in the 1980s. And, of course, there are always plans for new Smurf stuff, uh, including merchandise. If you guys have any Smurfin' feelings about the Smurfs one Smurfin' way or another, let me know. 
After the break, smurf smurf it, you smurf and smurf smurfer. Ladies and gentlemen, I was this close to saying smurf this. This smurf and smurf game can go smurf itself. But then, Henry wandered into the room and he's like, well, just do this to make your guy jump. And it worked. So, Henry, thank you, buddy. You're the reason that there's an actual legit something to see in this field report today. Probably. If I don't screw it up. So, we're playing... What are we playing? Smurf Rescue in Dargamel's Castle. Be prepared for bright primary colors and annoying music. So here and we go. Annoying music that changes tone. It does it doesn't do. change music. It does change tones. I do appreciate that. So, but we'll get there in a second. Here we go. Oh, you can see I got a whopping 8,600 points the last time I played this. That should give you a clue uh, what this little kid's game is actually like. All right, let's do it. Everyone take it in, yeah! Now, I spent, I'm not lying, I spent like 15 minutes trying to figure out how to jump over this gate. Because you don't use the, the button to jump, you only use the joystick to move your guy, left or right, obviously, and then you jump him. You have to hit up on the joystick twice while standing still to make the guy jump over pretty much anything. And honest to God, it took me 15 minutes to figure that out. Um, I'm gonna jump over this lake, or stream, or whatever. But if you fall into it, it does this disturbing little thing where you can see the Smurf's head, or Smurf's hat floating on the water and little bubbles coming up. It's really kind of dark. Maybe the next time, once I get through this once, I'll purposely put my guy in the lake so you can see what it's like. It's creepy. There, there's the change in tone. Same music, just a uh, different tone. Do appreciate that. This spider looks a lot like the spider that's been building a web on our, on our back patio every night. What? Yeah, between the two grills. We have two grills, everybody. Don't mean to brag. one can hear me over that music. The sky is pretty, right? It's kind of a sunset kind of thing, or maybe a sunrise. Ooh, almost missed it. If you fall off of anything, or miss a jump, your smurf gets tired, according to the manual, and another smurf has to go get the smurf. Uh, basically, that just means you lose a guy. They just don't say that in the manual. Yeah, because it's a kid's game. That shows, that shows kids how the Smurf Yep. Uh, I think I'm gonna do it. I'm coming for you, Smurfit! Dang it! Smurfit! I was! Bug me, cameraman. What? 
Dad right there. Yeah. Hug me, Smurfette. Yeah. Alright, and as if with a lot of these games, you have to just do it all over again. So you start back at the beginning, but there are some little changes that we'll see in a second. Uh, the sky is pink now. I don't know if we should be worried about that. Now, watch what happens after I go over this gate. What the heck is that? I have not yet figured out how to get past this. Ah! Let's see if I can double jump him. I think that's what you're supposed to do, but I haven't been able to time it right. Yes! I guess theoretically you could duck him, but I haven't been able to do that either. can't duck low enough. 8,600 points again. Well, you saw me get through it once. Smurfette is safe until the time loop wraps around again because I filter everything through a Doctor Who filter, so I assume it must be a time loop of some sort uh, where you have to repeat everything. So that is basically Smurfs, Smurfs, what is it? Smurf Rescue in Gargamel's Castle. I'm going to go Smurf for a minute. You have a Smurf and Smurf day. Back to you in the Smurfin studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in Love, Twisted Car Races, and the aforementioned devilish breakfast food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Beats a decoder ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, and words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell's Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about Smurfs, Rescue and Gargamel's Castle. Once I figured out the trick of how to get the game going, it actually was kind of fun, I guess. I wasn't getting a whole lot out of it, but I didn't progress too far through the levels either. I think maybe as the action progresses, it gets, then the challenge level rises, the, the fun level rises with it. That said, it does look good, right? It looks like a cartoon, especially for the equipment that it's running on. The music is a little annoying, but you can kind of push it to the back of your mind. 
and the change in tone as the action gets a little darker, the music gets a little darker. I do appreciate that. I don't know. It, it's easy to to be annoyed by the Smurfs, but it's hard to hate the Smurfs. You know, they're so cute and cooperative and positive and everything. So, you know, I, I wouldn't give it a bad rating, but I'm probably not going to run out and spend a whole time, a lot of time playing it more either. If you guys have thoughts about Smurf rescuing Gargamel's castle, let me know. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Royal Rodent Ritter. Dozens of rat droppings skittered across the throne room floor like so many clay marbles. The larger bits stuck to King Arthur's sabatons as he approached the throne. He sat with a weary sigh, scraping his fouled footwear against the leg of the throne. "'This castle is overrun,' he groaned. The ruler of Camelot had a problem, and it wasn't Enchantress Morgan Le Fay. The magic wand-waving pick-a-card-any-card hottie, Morgana, could be vexing, but she did put on a good show. One time, Arthur even got to be the lovely assistant she sawed in half. No, the scourge of the land this time was far more repulsive. Not even the world-famous Knights of the Round Table, trademark, could help against the kingdom's latest foe, and not just because the knights were off on their let-us-get-medieval-on-ya-with-love tour. Lancelot was the bad boy breakout star with his single, Unsheathe My Sword. Arthur could hear the invading hordes skittering through the castle. Is there no one who will save us? Merlin stepped from the shadows, goose-stepped, really, around some slime trails. Sire, perhaps I can be of assistance. He stood tall in his pointy hat and silken robes. The king regarded his sorcerer for a moment, then said, No, I don't believe you can. He chuckled ruefully. Sire, if this is about my apprentice, I assure you the pipsqueak will be no trouble. I've taken him off. Mop duty. No, no, Merlin, I just believe this situation requires finesse that you lack. Oh, sire. Merlin was a little hurt. Oh, grow a pair, Merlin. The king grunted, and by pair, I mean a multi-headed femora, like Morgana's got. That thing's cool. Also, bring me the royal ridder. Merlin died a little inside. Oh, your majesty, not him. Yes, Merlin, the king Arthur said, him. The king's royal footman snapped to attention. On it, sire, he said and sprinted from the throne room. Why can't you be more like that? Arthur asked his sorcerer. Merlin sank into his robes, the stars on his pointy hat dimming. Moments later, the stout double doors of the throne room banged open as though they were playing cards flicked at a target by Morgana herself. Seriously, her Vegas act is amazing. Earl, the royal ridder, stepped into the room, scooping up a plague-ridden rat as he did so, snapping its back and tossing it aside. King, you got a serious rodent problem. Earl said as he attempted to hitch up his pants over his gut while simultaneously half-bowing to the ruler of Camelot, farting as he went. Merlin grimaced. It's not just the rats, Earl, King Arthur said, though the godless vermin have overrun our borders. But there are also the roaches and the lice. So much lice, Merlin said unnecessarily. The pubic lice especially is a horror, the king said. Would you care to see? He started to undo the royal robes. Earl held up his hand. I'm good, King. I get it. Earl considered his strategy for a moment. 
All right, here's the plan. Forgive me, Earl, Merlin said, but I do the plans around here. Earl smirked. That's so. So was it part of your plan for the roach to crawl out of your undies? A medieval cockroach emerged from Merlin's robes and skittered away. Shoo! Shoo, vermin! Merlin commanded, petrifying it with a flick of his wand. Well, that's great, Merlin, King Arthur said. That's the opposite of making it go away. Now it'll be there forever. Earl, what's your plan? Earl held up a bulging burlap sack. Unseen items jangled a bit inside. Your kingness, he said. Leave it to me. And me, sire, Merlin said. Me too. Within a few hours, Earl had scoured every floor of the castle, into and out of every nook and cranny. As he went, he even returned some mislaid gold ingots to the treasure room and reassembled the bones of several long-dead enemy knights into comical and sometimes bawdy poses. All the while, Merlin the sorcerer followed behind, whining under the guise of strategizing. Don't you think a disappearing spell would work better here? Or, you're wasting your time. I've repelled countless invasions by the evil queen Morgoth. I think I can handle a few rats. Or, ugh, why is this bag so heavy? Finally, all of Earl's equipment was in place. An intricate web of tiny trebuchets spread out across the various floors of the castle. The release lever for each trebuchet was attached to a tripwire, itself attached to a longer master switch, controlled by Earl himself. Don't touch, Merlin, he warned several times. Then, as the sorcerer repeatedly failed to quell the urge to do just that, Earl would repeat, I mean it, Merlin. Don't make me kick your ass like on the archery field when we were kids. Into the sling of each tiny trebuchet, Earl placed a pellet of deadly rodent poison, a concoction of his own devise, so lethal Morgana herself couldn't replicate it. She begged me for the recipe, Earl told Merlin. I said sure, but gave her a recipe for fried chicken instead. She was kind of mad, but the after-sex chicken was awesome. Finally, it was time. Merlin and Earl stood at the palace, the palace entrance, the endpoint where the tripwires for the various trebuchets flowed into the one master wire. Can I throw the switch? Merlin asked. I am the king sorcerer. Earl held out his arms and waved around the room. You see any sorcery happening here? Fair enough. With a massive fart, Earl yanked the wire. With a simultaneous clack clack clack, a sound like hell's own dominoes falling, the levers on each of the tiny trebuchets unleashed their slings. The tiny pellets of death were propelled with expert precision into every rat, lice, roach, and the occasional lizard, exterminating them to such a degree they had in fact never existed. In the throne room, Arthur was momentarily confused by this time paradox, but shook it off, much as he did the pubic lice. Cheers erupted from the palace entryway. Earl swept Merlin up in his beefy arms. Yeah, man, he screamed. That's how you do it? Merlin was taken aback and almost, just almost, sorry for what happened next. As Earl gathered up his things and stepped out to the center of the drawbridge, Nessie, newly arrived from the lock and very confused, erupted out of the moat and devoured Earl whole, splashing down back into the moat and disappearing. From the palace entryway, Merlin smirked and patted himself on the back. Morgana wasn't the only badass in the kingdom. Wait, she wasn't listening, was she? Was she? Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. 
Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme and the Jason Says Stuff theme. Smurf on over to Apple Podcasts to leave a five-smurf review of the Smurfin' Podcast. Email the show at AtariBytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram. And you $3 a month Patreon subscribers, of course, can go to YouTube and watch the uh, truly awful videos of the field reports. Also, anyone can call and leave me a voicemail, because I'm never going to answer the phone. But you can leave me a message at 563-265-1978 about, really, anything you want. Video games, stories, smurfs, rodent extermination, whatever you feel like. Leave me a message, I'll probably pay it on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You're going to find all sorts of stuff there. Information, social media, links to episodes of this show, Atari Bytes, my other show, the monthly It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, for all things in and around the Peanuts universe. Information also about books that I've written, like Hell's Serial, very short stories, fortified with essential syllables, and links to some of the places that you can order those books. While you're poking around the internet, you might also consider wandering over to Patreon.com. Atari Bytes has a page over there, and you can sign up to be a supporter of this show. Keeping the smurfing lights on here in the podcast studio. Subscribers at different levels get different things, and you can be one of them. So go check that out. Uh, The finest perk of being a Patreon supporter, of course, is that you can virtually hang out with these fine folks who have my eternal gratitude. They're a bunch of smurfing folks, I tell you. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., Jason Schiffman, Mark Super, and Jim Goble. Awesome dudes. One and all. All right, we're just about out of here. All that's left is to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. We're going to go from the, f- the Smurf forest all the way to outer space. That's right, we're playing Space Shuttle. Which I recently discovered, uh, I have not one but two cartridges for. I was uh, I bought the cartridge not that long ago, uh, but I had not gotten around to. I, I had set it aside first of all to make sure that it worked, but I hadn't gotten around to putting it in the the uh, Coke bottle, the wooden Coke bottle crate things that I keep my cartridges in. And I went to do that and discovered I already had one, so I actually have two space shuttle cartridges now. Hopefully, next time, one of them will actually work, so I can record an episode. Um, I've already looked at the manual a little bit, though, and it is daunting. It is like the length of a novel. Um, So I'm a little nervous about that. I had trouble jumping over a gate in the Smurfs game. So a novel, uh, a half-inch thick novel, half-inch thick instruction manual scares me a little. But I guess I got a couple weeks to work up to it, so I should quit whining. If you guys have thoughts about Space Shuttle and you want to get them into me, please do. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.